Okay, I'm genuinely so excited to be here, guys. I'm super excited to see what the Lord has for us tonight. Um, just to get a glimpse into the message, I want to um, just just take a take a travel back to right outside of Osmond, Nebraska, when I was in high school, working on my uncle's farm. Okay, so when it got to be about mid March and April, we started planting, and so one year my uncles let me actually plant. So I got to be part of the whole process. We'd fill up the, the planter with beans, and, and then I'd go into the tractor, and I'd be driving and planting, right? And so after this season, a couple months later, we'd, I'd come back, and I'd see the field, and the beans were thriving, okay? But it would have been really, really strange if I came back, and I just saw corn when I knew that I planted beans, right? So that would be, that'd be just crazy. That'd be illogical. But I was, because con- I was confident that I'd plant beans so I would see beans, right? And this is the exact same thing we can expect in our community. So if we live in our community we'll, and, and we're sowing seeds of, and we're, we're satisfying our flesh and planting unhealthy seeds, then we know that our community will be unhealthy and be led to destruction. But if we live in our community to please the Spirit and point everybody back to Christ, we can be confident that our community will be healthy and biblical. We'll be, we will reap what we sow. So my hope for us tonight is that we would leave here with a deeper understanding of what it looks like to bear one another's burdens. I don't want this to just be heard tonight. I don't want just this to just be talked about afterwards. I really want our community to truly bear one another's burdens to help each other keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. BC3, we need to get this because the gospel needs to be preached into the depths of our hearts and into the places that we are scared for people to see. We will not get this by my own words, so let me just, let me just pray one more time. Father, we come to you just in awe of who you are. Lord, we are so grateful for your word. We're so grateful that um, we can know you through your word and that you, you reveal yourself through it. And God, I thank you that um, you show us what you want, how you want us to live. And so, Lord, would you be exalted tonight? Um, Would this not be me speaking? Would this uh, be your spirit, you speaking through me, Lord? And and would you just pierce everybody's hearts in this room, including mine, Lord, as you already have? Um, Would you just show us more of who you are? Show us more of the ways that we are unfaithful to you and, and how we need to be humbled, how um, we, we don't look to you in everything we do, but also, Lord, would you show us how good you are and how faithful Christ is to, um, to save us, Lord, that you, you saved us by your mercy and grace and not by anything that we did. And so, God, I just thank you so much, and I pray that you would be exalted, that we would be humbled tonight, and we would just leave here with a better understanding of, of who you are and how to bear one another's burdens in our community. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so for the note-takers out there, my points are to challenge others, humble yourself, and encourage leaders. I think they're up there, yep. Challenge others, humble yourself, and encourage leaders. So we're in Galatians 6 tonight, so if you can pull out your Bibles, we'll be, we'll be there all night. I'll start reading. Galatians 6, 1 through 2. <clears throat> Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression... You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So this is the last chapter of Galatians, so we need some context behind it. 
If you were given a letter from someone and you just started reading the last couple paragraphs, you'd be pretty lost. So we must certainly know the context of the authoritative word of God, right? So this is a letter from Paul the Apostle who is writing to the churches of Galatia. Paul gets reports later on that there were false teachers in the Galatian church proclaiming that to be justified, you must do works of the law. But the true gospel is that we are dead in our sin and we can never earn our way to God. That we can't get our way to, we can't be with God by doing good works. So Jesus came to redeem us from sin. And that is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. That is the point of this letter. So now that we know the context of Galatians, we can actually dive into the text. So the first thing Paul says is to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ in restoring those who are caught in sin. So in Matthew Poole's commentary, he explains that the word restore here signifies to put again into joint or put back into place. In order for something to be restored or put back, something must be wrong. So we as Christians believe that all have fallen short of God's glory. And ever since, even since we've been saved by Jesus, we still sin and mess up. It is our duty as Christian brothers and sisters to put each other back on the path of righteousness. This means we need to call each other out on our sin. This is not a small or easy thing to do. It may hurt and it, it may be painful, but it is a necessary work for all Christians. Paul introduces this section by addressing you who are spiritual. He isn't just talking about pastors and leaders in the church. If you've been saved by grace through faith in Christ, then the Holy Spirit is indwelling in you and you are now spiritual. The work of bearing one another's burdens is the responsibility of all Christians. If we care about God and we care about our relationship with him, it's going to be a natural response for us to care about how our brothers and sisters are doing in their own walks with God. Like a loving parent who cares for their kid or like a teammate who, want, who wants to see their teammate give their all, we must be willing to have conversations with one another to help each other honor Christ in everything that we do. And that, this is actually loving to do. Having these conversations is going to take boldness, a, a strong confidence in God's law. And unrepentant sin is a big deal and it needs an equal force to call it out. At the same time, if a person should repent of their sin and turn away from their old ways, we should then be softer as we, as we encourage them and lift them up, reminding them of the gospel. Martin Luther, in his commentary on this passage, writes, We must indeed sharply rebuke those who have fallen. But when we see that those persons are sorrowful for their offenses, we should begin to raise them up as much as we can, or raise them up again to comfort them and to mitigate their faults as much as we can. Luther's saying that we must be stern, but when they do repent, we need to lift them up and help them keep their eyes fixed on Christ and his faithfulness. This is what it looks like to bear one another's, one another's burdens. And we must remember that we do all of this because we love God and we love one another, as this is the law of Christ. When I was wrestling my freshman year, I started having problems with my knee. So I'd be wrestling and all of a sudden, literally, my knee would just lock up and I'd fall to the mat in agony. And I'd be yelling to my friends, boys, come here, like, I, I need you. And they would come over and they'd be like, what do you need? And like, I would literally have them straighten my leg and my leg would just pop and I'd stand up and be like, okay, thanks, man, appreciate it. 
<laughs> and so in, in doing that, when, when our brother or sister has been tricked by Satan or their sinful flesh, that this, their sin that they're in is better than the Lord who bought them, we must call them out and tell them they're believing a lie. So that's, that's kind of essentially what's happening when we call one another out in sin, right? They're, they've, they've been tricked and, and they need our help, right? We must restore them and put them back together. Imagine if I was crying out on my, to my friends in wrestling practice and to help them put my knee back in place or whatever that was, and they see me in pain and they just look at me and don't do anything. Think about the consequences. The team wouldn't thrive if all of its members are injured or hurting. And I'm not going to feel very loved if my, by my teammates who are watching me in pain, just standing there. Friends, me thrashing on the floor in pain while my teammates who are equipped to help me stand by and just do nothing is the equivalent of us not going to help our brothers and sisters who are living in sin. PC3, this is not okay. Just as Christ loved us and bore our burdens, we too should go bear the burdens of our spiritual family. Even if we understand that we are the ones to bear the burdens, we might still be held back from doing so. And Paul then addresses one of the biggest stifles to us actually living out this commitment. It's pride. And this leads us to my next point, humble yourself. Verses three through five. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. When we think we are something, we deceive ourselves. I love how the NLT translates this verse. It says, if you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. He is saying that if you think you're too good to bear your brother or sister's burden, then you're wrong. If someone has a sin struggle that you don't have, and you think in your head, come on, dude, you're struggling with that? We need to look in the mirror, because I can guarantee that you're probably struggling with something that that person isn't. When I was a junior in high school, I was coming from into this wrestling tournament undefeated, okay? I'm coming in, and I, it was the second round of the tournament, and... I was, I was undefeated, and I saw that the, the kid that I was about to wrestle was an 0-0 freshman. He had never wrestled a match the whole, the whole year. I was a junior. He was a freshman. I literally laughed when I saw that I was about to wrestle this kid. So I'm wrestling him, and I'm winning 8-0, feeling super confident. And so I'm on top, and I go down, and I'm, literally, I'm pinning him. Like, his, his back was on the ground. And so I'm pinning him, and all of a sudden... The ref, like literally, he, he, or the kid, he pulls his head out, or his, his arm out, and all of a sudden I'm on my back, and he just, like, I, I hear the ref just slap the mat, and I lose, and I, I got pinned. I literally just laid there, and I was like, what just happened, literally? My pride had deceived me into thinking that I was something when I was nothing, and that cost me the whole match. And friends, this is literally where we start as Christians. The only way you can be saved is understanding that you are nothing. God does not save you because you have things to offer him. He saves you because of his own mercy and grace. If you've understood that and Jesus is on the throne of your life, 
You should never compare your sin struggles or your giftings to any brother or sister and always seek to lift them up. You are not better than anybody. Comparison is the thief of all joy, love, and humility. When we start to compare ourselves with others, we lose the joy of doing our own work and our attention gets focused on other people. If the person you're focusing on is better than you, then it leads to insecurity and you're no longer doing your work out of love. It becomes a competition. Or if you're better than the person you're comparing yourself to, then you, won't, then you will become full of pride and think highly of yourself and you'll think lowly of others. You then won't bear your brother or sister's burden because you think you're better than them and that they are not worth your time. If we compare in our community, we no longer are a community bearing one another's burdens and pointing each other to Christ. We're rather a community of performance with people constantly striving to, to be better than others. This type of community is toxic and it will lead to destruction and death. And so in verse 5 uh, of, of Galatians 6, this comparison game gets heavily rebuked. Paul's not playing games here. Paul, he's been speaking about bearing one another's burdens in this passage. But in this verse, it says load instead of burden, depending on your translation. But in the Greek, this load means a much heavier burden. In doing this, Paul points us to the judgment seat of Christ, when each person will truly bear their own load before God. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. We will stand before God, and he will judge us based on what we've done. And this is addressing only Christians. It's different from the final judgment. It doesn't determine our salvation because Jesus has atoned for his people's sins. But God will look at how faithful we were to him. He will not determine this based on what our friends do or, or how many people followed us on Instagram or anything or how, how many people praised us. He will look into the depths of our heart through, the, through our whole life and he'll see everything. So in light of knowing that, we should humble ourselves and focus on our own work, not comparing ourselves to others. In that wrestling match, when I'm wrestling this kid, I was looking at that kid and comparing myself to him, comparing my record, how many medals I had, and, and that led to pride in my heart. If I wouldn't have compared myself to him and just saw it as another match, then maybe the outcome might have been different, but instead I did compare myself to him, and that led to my pride deceiving me. God knows the pride of our hearts better than even we do. And we must humble ourselves and recognize that we are not better than anybody. The pride in us makes it very easy to compare ourselves to people, especially those that are leading us. This could be because probably we feel inf inferior and our sinful self wants to be the one leading. But we should do the opposite, encourage others. That's my third point. This would be a lot easier if I had the... Not the handheld man. <laughs> Let the one who is, caught, who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. That's verse 6. So God graciously raises up leaders for his glory and to edify the church. And we must understand how important it is for us to be poured into. When I first became a Christian, my life was solely 
reading my Bible, listening to sermons, working, and then doing it again the next day. It was great, but I had no brothers to confess sin to. I honestly didn't even know why or what the, the point was to confess sin, and, and I had nobody explaining doctrine or biblical passages that I was not understanding. When I came to PC3, my life was changed because I finally had community and I was being discipled. God put me into a huddle, and over the last year and a half, I've grown a crazy amount. And that is all by God's grace, and he gets all of the glory for that. But he has used those who have poured into me. So my call is to encourage them and be thankful for how he's used them. We need to be encouraging those who are teaching us and showing love to them. The more responsibility a spiritual leader has typically means the more stress that they will have. So they need to be encouraged, prayed for, and filled up to continue to be faithful in where God has called them. Think about a car. It has a gas tank, and eventually it needs to be filled up in order to keep going. When we refrain from encouraging the leaders who are pouring into us, it's like driving a car and never filling the gas tank. How abusive is it to the car who, who literally just drive, drive the car until it quits or just expecting that it's going to just keep going when you haven't done your duty to put the gas into the tank? I'm sure some of us do that out here. <laughs> but I, I've been blessed personally by people pouring into me and helping me grow. And how terrible would it be if one, one of the people who poured into me stopped because they got burnt out? Now our spiritual leaders are pouring into us to please God, not for our encouragement or to please people. But we can play a part in their ministry by encouraging them and being thankful for how God has used them. We need to bear their burden in encouraging them just as they are bearing our burden and in pouring into us. PC3, if we are being poured into by someone, tell them how much you appreciate them. Or if the sermon you heard really spoke to you, would you encourage that person who spoke? Or even if you confess sin and one of your brothers or sisters is restoring you, would you thank them for that? Tell them how much you appreciate that. Let's be people who encourage our leaders because as we do that, we are bearing their burden as they bear our burdens. I want to end by reading seven, verses 7 through 10 in the NLT. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who, who, those who live only to satisfy their, only, their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessings if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. To the Christians in the room, would you live to please the Spirit? in calling your brothers and sisters out who have fallen off the path of righteousness and point them to Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross. Don't compare yourself with others. Instead, help each other run the race and bear each other's burdens. And maybe you're a Christian living in sin right now and, and you don't want to turn to God or you don't want to tell anyone because you love your sin too much. If this is you, please believe me when I say that Jesus is better. If you're saying to yourself, well, everyone's a sinner, so it's okay that I watch porn or that I go gossip or that I have a little too much, much to drink at a party. 
well, this is the wrong heart posture towards sin. Or maybe you're someone else in the room that, and you don't love your sin. Maybe you even hate it, but you're too embarrassed to tell anyone about it. Let me remind you that Jesus was put on the cross to destroy the power of sin over his people. He had to satisfy the wrath of the Father on the cross for just one of our sins. So in response to what he has done for his people, we should want to slay our sin and live our lives solely to glorify God and enjoy him. I want you to know that Jesus is so much better than any temporary feeling or satisfaction that sin can provide. Sin is destructive and it leaves you lifeless, but Jesus is life-giving and he satisfies forever. You can confess your sin to your brothers and sisters and if they are true Jesus followers who understand the gospel, they should preach the gospel to the depths of your heart and you will experience a freedom like never before and I can guarantee that. If you're not a Christian, maybe hearing this for the first time, would you surrender your life to Jesus? He can satisfy so much more than what you may think this world can. If you repent and trust in him, for the forgiveness of your sins, you can be confident that you will be with God forever in heaven instead of going to hell. He is worthy of you giving your whole entire life to and so much more. So friends, you need to, to bear each other's burdens and you are, we are called to bear each other's burdens. Would we be a people that literally look at each other and, and love each other, to call each other out in our sin, to, to lift each other up when we're confessing sin, to humble ourselves when we're uh, being prideful and even pointing each other's faults out when they are being prideful. And would we encourage our leaders? PC3, bow your heads with me.